Spring training begins in two weeks. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. Cross him off, then. This is Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Tonight, it's Tim Unglesby and Chris Wynn with you on Heat Wave Sports every Saturday and Sunday night. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Over on Twitter at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And Chris, throw out that tag again for being able to interact with Chris Wynn on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me at Christian Wynn on Twitter and also on Instagram for all the youngsters out there, right, Tim? The Instagram, the gram is the thing. C Win <laughs> 77 on there as well, too. And of course, you can follow Tim at, at uh, Heatwave Sports on Twitter as well, too. It's uh, not, not, no shortage of spirited debate on topics across the board when we all get into it uh, here in Vegas on the uh, Sports Talk Airwaves, to say the least. And you're a, you're a multi-faceted man. You can talk sports, but if somebody wants a nice political debate, you're available for that as well. Oh, you know the, you know the deal there, right, Tim? I'm not afraid to uh, throw my hat in the ring with that at all, you know? And uh, my look, myself, uh, full disclosure, myself, Tommy Barton, we get into it when it comes to yeah. politics, you know? We're not afraid yeah. to, uh, to bounce it around a little bit on social media and on the airwaves. So it, uh, it does make a spirit of debate. And, uh, yes, it, well-rounded is, uh, you could put it that way. Or you could just say that I'm just, you know, a guy here in Vegas that likes to, that likes to pop off on a number of different topics across the board and am not afraid to do it. Right, Tim? Chris, let's kind of look at the major league baseball landscape as we're into the second half of the season. And I guess a big, we'll start with the big story in that the New York Yankees, uh, Four games over 500, seven out of the division lead, leading Boston Red Sox. And they, they were actually able to win the last two games of the series to uh, get their first two wins against the Red Sox for the season. I think they're now two and seven against the Sox. But, hey, going in the right direction with wins. With guys in COVID, uh, the, you know, you have guys on the roster out with COVID, the major league trade deadline heading, heading up here soon, and, and everybody's talking about can the Yankees – catch the Sox in the East, but Chris, what about the team that actually played the World Series last year? The, the Tampa Rays are half a game behind Boston. Why are people still overlooking Tampa Bay? Because it's the big market teams, right? It's, it's the Red Sox and the Yankees, and it's because of the expectations the Yankees had coming into the season, right, Tim? I mean, yeah. we had expectations that the Yankees were, you know, and, and Tommy and I talked about this last week, you know, from a betting standpoint, it was the Yankees were right behind the Dodgers. When it came to you know expectations regarding uh, making it deep into the postseason, so I think that's a main reason why, and because the Tampa Bay Rays are just have been a team that's been under the radar all season long. Because they, you know, yeah, you know, there was a little bit of chatter about Tampa Bay here in the last couple of weeks because you bring the youngster up, you know, you bring the young phenom up and get a chance to see him at the major league level. But other than that, they have not been one of the team that's been teams that's been on the forefront of uh, discussion in major league baseball circles as of, you know, up until, up until this point. And uh, while we are all intrigued as baseball fans regarding how things are going to shake out in the American league East, it's, you know, it's been overshadowed by other division races, i.e., you know, the national league West where you've got, you know, the most surprising team in baseball in the San Francisco giants there. So I think there's, there's a number of reasons why that's the case, Tim, but uh, 
to you know to to be just more obvious about it i guess it's because it's the yankees and the red sox and it's not the tampa bay rays that baseball fans are going to focus on particularly in that division even though like you said they were in the fall classic last year yeah on july the 18th which is today will the new york yankees chris catch the boston red sox and and win this division or even get in the playoffs no, I don't think they do. I think they're in real trouble, Tim. Um, look, we all understand that Cashman and the Yankees are going to be a team that's probably going to wheel and deal. This is when you talk about teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, you don't normally talk about these teams as being sellers, right? They're going to be buyers. But that being said, I don't think that they have what it takes. I don't think the makeup of this year's team, you know, with the, with the shoddy defensive play, with the bullpen being taxed with the starting staff that, you know, outside obviously of Garrett Cole, you know, it's, you're talking about, you know, very slim pickings there. No, I don't think the Yankees are going to end up making the playoffs. And I think it's going to be a narrative out there that they let the season get away, that they had a chance and that they weren't able to capitalize and they weren't able to get to the promised land and win a title and it's going to be one of those deals where, you know, people in the tri-state area in New York are going to be like, hey, you know, uh, maybe we need to make some major changes here. What's Brian Cashman's future? I've, you've already heard, right, Tim? You've already seen what's happened regarding the manager situation there and whether or not they even want to bring him back. So, yes, I think there's going to be questions after the season. I think that and it's going to be justified because they're I don't think in my opinion, my humble opinion, I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team or even a wild-card team. I agree. I think in the East, it's Boston and Tampa. One, Both those teams will make the playoffs. In the Central, it looks like it's Tony La Russa, right, 100 years old, and, and leading the White Sox 20 games over 500. they They're going to win that division. In the West, you'll get the other two playoff teams. It'll be Houston and most likely the A's. I think if the Yankees' best shot, Chris, will be they got to catch the A's. And, and uh, you know, when you're really looking at it, that's there's still five games behind Oakland. It's going to be crazy at the deadline to see what's going to happen here. And I'm not even counting out a team going on a run because we've seen uh, franchises like the Cubbies, you know, in a two-week period, Chris, they went from first place to six games out because they went on a losing streak. So anything can happen. But I like Houston. I like Oakland, Chicago, Boston, Tampa. I think the Yankees are left out. What do you think about the West? You know, you got the, the, the Cheaters, Houston, three-and-a-half game lead over Oakland, who Oakland's like Tampa, right? Nobody ever gives them any credit, yet they always find themselves in the postseason. Yeah, they don't. They, again, another team much like the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Where you don't even, we don't even, they're not even on the forefront of baseball fans' minds. We don't even, I mean, obviously, uh, possibly in the Bay Area all season long, they're going to talk about them, but they're not talked about out, you know, outside of that part of the country. So, yeah, I think they, they do get some type of disrespect almost, you know, when it comes to talking about a team like the Oakland A's. But, I, I got to be honest. I still think that because I look at this Houston Astros team and set aside all the animosity and rightfully so that there should be because they're looked at as cheaters because there's still guys that are still there that were actively involved in what was going on there. Uh, make no mistake about it. There's, you know, there's going to be animosity and there's going to be, uh, you know, people that are upset that the Houston Astros are being successful. But all that being said, they're still, I think, one of the best teams not only in the American League, but also in baseball, and they are very viable 
to win a World Series this season if they're able to get, you know, everybody, you know, uh, basically everybody, you know, producing at a level that they should be. I don't think there's any question that uh, they're going to be a team that's going to be looking once the trade deadline coming around, obviously set for 4 p.m. Eastern time on Friday and July 30th and a day earlier than the Trish League, by the way. But uh, they're going to be one of those teams, I think, that's going to be looking to make some moves. And there are a ton of players out there, okay, that could absolutely help this Astros team. And I think uh, it's not just going to – their viewpoint, Tim, it's not just about the American League West title. It's about winning a World Series title, and they could absolutely do that in Houston, which I know, of course, is going to infuriate baseball fans around the country. But I'm just trying to be real with everybody and just say that, you know, look, there's – you know, we can, we, can, we can talk about the Giants – and we can talk about the Dodgers. We can talk about all these other teams. I'm telling you, the Astros are as live as any team in baseball to win a World Series this year. And I expect them to produce something major at the trade deadline. They are not ashamed or afraid or ashamed to go out there and, and uh, pick up a big piece of the puzzle. And when I say a big piece, Chris, you know, you have a guy like maybe a Max Scherzer that Washington is kind of dangling out there, the 37-year-old veteran. You know, they have, I use the reference in hour one, tipping, uh, putting your tip of your toe in the water to see what's going on here. Washington, six games under 500, six games out of first place. If they can get something for Shirzy, you know, it, that that would be a team that I would see jump in there and, and steal a guy like that. We saw him do it with Randy Johnson, right? Houston's not afraid to make moves. Oh, there's no question. You bring up Scherzer, it's interesting. Look, this is a obviously a Nationals team that is, you know, uh, is – is seven losses back, right? In the in, in for second wild card spot, you know, in the in the National League East and, and the race for the second wild card, I should say, and they're they're that far back in the National League East. Um, they they got already a few other long term commitments that they're committed to. When you talk about Steven Strasburg, obviously, and Patrick Corbin, so I don't think that Max Scherzer is long for Washington's Washington uniform. Um, you had the Lerner family there; they squashed that trade. Remember that would have sent Bryce Harper. To the Astros back in 2018, yeah. and I, I gotta say, it's possible they could do the same thing here, you know. Uh, and but but the thing here's the thing is, if they do that, they'd just be keeping him, you know, for a meaningless stretch run. I think because I don't think the Nationals are going to be one of the teams that's there in the National League East. I could be wrong, but I I don't think they will be. But uh, you know, it it wouldn't seem like the smartest thing for the Nationals to do if they were to try to keep Scherzer. You know, uh, on for a meaningless run like that, and then eventually losing the free agency anyway, it doesn't. So you think that if you're the Nationals, you want to try to get something for him. So I, I believe at the end of the day, when you're talking about the likes of Max Scherzer, he's going to be gone. I think Chris Bryant obviously is a big name out of Chicago. That's probably, you know, going going to not be long for a Cubs uniform as well too. Obviously, Trevor Story's been talked about with the Rockies. He's a possibility, uh, and he was. Look, he's and we've talked about Trevor Story. He's kind of been the most obvious guy since the minute that the Rockies dealt Nolan Alonado out of town because this is, you know, Rockies team that is firmly in a rebuild type of situation. So uh, you've got Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, also another big name, Pablo Lopez from the Marlins, uh, Javier Baez also with the Cubs. So there's there are some pieces out there, right, Tim? That that some of these teams are going to look to add. And one of those teams, obviously, is the Astros. And the first thing you think about is, is you know, adding, again, and, and 
Tim, I hate to do it, my friend. I keep coming back to this. Uh, who was the guy that they added the Astros a few years ago? Where did he come from? He came from the Tigers. Who's a guy that was, you know, that that you know was able to win a World Series in Washington? It's obviously Max Scherzer. Max yeah. Scherzer was also a Tiger. Who was a guy that went to the White the Red, the Red Sox? Won a Cy Young with the Red Sox, and then oh by the way, won a World Series with the Red Sox. That would be Rick Porcello again, another Tiger. So as a Tigers <laughs> fan, it is just kind of mind blowing to kind of see these former players that sported the old English D, Tim. And I know I'm going on a little bit of rant here personally, but it is just so tough to see these guys. I mean, imagine imagine yourself, Tim, you being a Baltimore Orioles fan and seeing literally like seven or eight guys from your beloved Orioles just going to other teams and, and then just knocking out World Series titles every other season, it seemed like. It happened with all those pitchers I just talked about. It happened with J.D. Martinez as well and some other players as well for the Tigers. It's just it's, – it's, Tim, I told you, I'm going on a rant. It's tough for me, my friend, to kind of see these transactions taking place uh, throughout Major League Baseball. In the central, Milwaukee running away right now as they've increased their lead to seven games in division. And then in the west, Chris, we might end up – with three teams from the West occupying the five playoff spots in the National League as the Giants have Giants have proved me wrong. I didn't think they'd last, and they're, here they are on July the 18th, a game ahead of the Dodgers, five ahead of the Padres, but I could see all three of those teams conceivably being in the playoff chase, or in, in the playoffs, excuse me. Oh, no question, and as I pointed out, and Tommy and I talked about this last week, I'm sure you and Tommy have been talking about this, the Giants absolutely a surprise. A lot of us thought that, you know, it was it was a cute story at the beginning of the year that you had a lot of these guys, whether it's Brandon Crawford, obviously Buster, Buster Posey, and, you know, and Brandon Belt and some of these other guys who are hearkening back to 2009 and 2010 and visions of, you know, winning world championships on every even year for the Giants. And it was a nice combination of those guys with the likes of Yaskremski and some others. And, uh, of course, you know, a great pitching performance by their ace there also. Um, it was, But we all, I think, were in a consensus, you, myself, and Tommy, and others, that they were going to fade. We thought the Giants were going to fade, and we thought, you know, look, and maybe it could still happen, but I highly doubt it. They're sitting at 58-34 right now. They're unbelievable at home. I mean, this is a team that's, you know, it's almost 20 games over 500 at home. And on the road, they're over. They're seven games over 500. Uh, you know what's kind of crazy too, Tim? Is this this? I think they lead the major leagues in home runs, the Giants. But they've got one guy. I think that hits. That's hit 14. I think he's their leading home run hitter has 14 home runs. I want to say it's just Trempsey. It just it they they just kind of defy the odds a little bit as far as what they're doing right now. And you're exactly correct when you talk about the three teams. There's three teams there that could absolutely win the National League pennant. Okay, all three of those teams can win the National League pennant, in my opinion. When you're talking about the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres, um, this, look, there's no disrespect to the likes of Milwaukee and to the Mets and to maybe even the Phillies. You know, if they get things rolling, uh, the Braves obviously a huge injury to them is is kind of hinders their prospects as they sit two games under 500 right now, but they're still kind of in the mix. Uh, right. Yeah, it's the three teams in the West in the National League that we're going to be taking a look at when you look at the National League. 
obviously DeGrom going on the uh, DL today, I believe, uh, with with his issue. So the, the Mets are, are going to face some challenges, to say the least, in their division and uh, with the whole playoff picture, too. So, um, But again, yeah, I, go, I just harken back. I go back. I did not think the Giants were this good. And this is, and we're going to be able to maintain this, I should say, throughout the throughout the entire season. Uh, it appears that uh, it's more likely than not that they will, and uh, we're going to be seeing that battle of those those three teams in that division here as we go into August and into September. That's the voice of Chris Wynn, Tim Unglesby, Heat Wave Sports Super Sunday Night. We'll take our final timeout. We come back, we'll move it over to the ice, the Seattle Kraken. We'll have a a roster come this Wednesday, and we're going to look at the names that were submitted to the expansion draft process. Some surprises, possibly. We'll really get into it and what we can expect who will join this brand-new franchise in the NHL on the other side of the timeout. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Mugglesby and Tom Barton. Tim Mugglesby and Chris win tonight on Heat Wave Sports. Tommy Barton will be back next weekend. And Chris, we have the NHL expansion draft starting this Wednesday night. And I believe uh, our sister station is hosting a party. As we see who the newest members of the Seattle Kraken will be, an expansion team joining the National Hockey League, much like our Vegas Golden Knights did just a few years ago and went through the same process. So we're kind of going to look at some of the names that were left unprotected by the, by the teams. Vegas did not have to submit a protection list because they're still, uh, you know, quote unquote, they're still expansion, even though they haven't definitely not played like expansion. But it's the same format that the Vegas Golden Knights were able to do, Chris. And, you know, really when it came down to it, when you look at that expansion draft and, and the deals that were able to made to be made, and you ended up with Marcia so and Carlson, and, of course, the, the face of the franchise and Marc-Andre Fleury, Seattle looking to, to maybe repeat that, that success some way. And, you know, there's some huge names on this list, and I kind of want to look at it, but but really explain it as well, because the first name that pops out to people is is – the goaltender in Montreal, and Carey Price was left unprotected. Now, here's the situation with this. And I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, right, Chris, that Seattle could draft Carey Price. Mostly it's unlikely, though. First of all, there's a huge salary attached to it. And secondly, you know, when you're doing this, why was Carey Price left unprotected? We just saw him in the NHL Stanley Cup. He, he dipped the, the cup into the fountain of youth and, and found himself. Well, he, tra- he waived his no-trade clause so they could protect Jake Allen, the backup, former blue who is the face he's the future as montreal sees the future in the pipes there but um can they get your could carry price be in the seattle nets next year it could happen probably not though but that was like for me that was the first big name that popped out and, and really once you start doing the investigation behind it you realize that most likely the bigger name guys with the high contracts they don't end up being picked because you know that's what it is it's it's a it's a huge Look, the, the cap's not moving, so it's a huge, huge percentage of your cap that you have to expose yourself to. 
Yeah, no question about it. But I was like you. I was taken aback a little bit, Tim, when I saw that name for the Montreal Canadiens on that list of quality players. And look, they have a short list. It doesn't matter what website you go to of obviously the players and the best players that have been exposed. You look at this, the Kraken can only select one player per team. In addition, they can you know choose from players that the other teams left unprotected for the expansion draft. The, the, by the way, the Kraken can also sign any unprotected, unrestricted free agent before Wednesday's draft, but it does go against the team total. So, for example, if they decide to sign, like, maybe a Taylor Hall, right, who is currently under contract to the, you know, or, or who just last played for the Boston Bruins, if he ended up signing with the Kraken before the expansion draft, he would count as Seattle's selection from the Boston Bruins. So, obviously, there's, you know, there's 30-plus teams in the NHL, so you don't need uh, 30 players on your team. But the point being is the Kraken, you know, uh, they're going to be able to put a good team together, Tim you know, over the next week. And don't be surprised if Seattle's a good enough team to make the playoffs in their first season, much like obviously Vegas did back in 2017, just a few years ago. So they also hold the number two overall pick in the 2021 NHL draft, which begins Friday with the first round and it continues with, uh, you know, rounds two through seven on Saturday. So, you know, the, you met, but I got to tell you, Tim, Tim, I'm like you. I saw that name for, for the Montreal Canadiens and you see the success that the Canadiens you know, we're able to get all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And you think of Carey Price, and I almost, you know, just as someone who's just kind of just thinking about it just randomly, not diving deep into the numbers or his age or, you know, his contract or anything, I immediately think of, right, Marc-Andre Fleury signing with the Golden Knights in Vegas. Now, I, I understand that the numbers are different and, you know, the situation's different, but I, I – I mean, I guess it would be it would be a, a a cool thing for Seattle if they were able to get him. I don't think that's going to be the case. But there are, as Tim, as you pointed out, there are a number of quality hockey players that have been left open. You've got the likes of Jeff Skinner. You've got you know Max Domi in Columbus. You've got Giordano in Calgary. You've got you want to talk about goaltenders. You've got uh, you know Dreger out of the from the Panthers. You got Ben Bishop from the Dallas Stars. You have uh, Matt Murray, the goaltender in Ottawa. There's, you know, a, a number of quality wingers from the likes of, you know, uh, Vertanen from Vancouver. You've got Sheary from Washington. You've got P.K. Subban, obviously, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit past his prime with the Devils uh, on, on defense. You've got, uh, I mentioned goaltenders, Jonathan Quick from the Kings, another guy that's, uh, you know, up there in age as well, too. Uh, you Connor Clifton from the Bruins and uh, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne from the National Predators, uh, James Van Riesdyk from the Flyers, as well as Warcheck do from the Flyers. So there are pieces. Uh, the the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, left, uh, they left uh, Gord, as well as Tyler Johnson, Palat, and Alex Kalorn, all unprotected on a Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning team. So this is going to be a Kraken squad that's going to get players, okay? Um, should we expect, though, that they're going to be as good as Vegas, which was a Cinderella story? which goes all the way to the Stanley Cup final in their first season under Gerard Gallant. I don't think so, okay? I, I just don't want to think that that's going to be the case where you're going to have – okay, so, Tim, now we're just going to have expansion teams that are just going to come into the league and start being, you know, top-tier playoff teams right from the jump when you and I, who have followed the NHL for years, for decades, have seen expansion teams come in and just be complete garbage – for the first four or five seasons of their existence, yep. you know, for years, that was the case. And now all of a sudden, now in 2017 and 2021, you're going to start seeing NHL squads that are killing it, you know, just because, you know, because they have 
because the talent pool is so good that they're able to draw from? I don't think so. Um, I mean, are they going to be terrible? No, I don't think I don't think Seattle's going to be terrible. But I'd be surprised, to be quite honest with you, Tim, if this Seattle Kraken team ends up anywhere close to what Vegas was in year one of their uh, first season in the NHL. Oh, I I can't see it either. I, I think they'll be competitive. That that's and possibly, possibly depending on how it shakes out Wednesday and and then in the uh, amateur draft and then with free agency, possibly a fringe playoff team. But at the end of the day, what Vegas did was just uh, something that we, ne- we may never see again. And you know they're not going to be as bad as let's say the the San Jose Sharks of 1991, which I absolutely loved, Chris. Right, but. I don't think that's the case. And really, when you look at the names that are available, and GM Ron Francis has already said, he's like, we'll spend the money. We'll we'll, we'll put ourselves, we'll, we, you know, we're not going to be at the bottom of the cap. Let's put it that way. We're going to do what we have to do. And, and, you know, the thing about this draft is that they have to spend like $49 million of the cap on uh, draft selections in this expansion draft. The cap is $81.5 million. So there's a good amount of money that they're going to be able to spend here. So I think we'll see, depending on what route they go. And, and I, I preface it with, I started with Carey Price because, like you said, it's just an instant like eye-opener when you see that because, like, what, what, what the hell's going on? Could they go that route? Yes, but it's going to cost them $11 million a year for the next five years. So maybe I want to be tied up to really an eighth of your salary for the next five years. So that's why I see that not happening. But, you know, what if they go out on a, a ledge? You know, I, I know you saw this other name as well. Tarasenko's sitting there, Chris. And I yeah. know he had uh, – last year wasn't his year, but he's coming off of surgery – that might be a guy you want to put back in there because he, he killed it the last well, up until last year. He was having easy, you know, that's a goal scorer. What about the guy in Colorado, the captain, Landeskog? I know he's a to be a free agent, but maybe long term they want to, they sign him to stay in Seattle and be the guy there. There's things they can do here that are going to make them competitive for sure. I just, as much as I'd like to say we can see the Mark Andre Fleury situation happen here, I don't think Price is the guy. They've already said they're taking Dredger. As one of their goalies in Florida, he's cap friendly, so that kind of says that maybe they'll bring another guy of that that ilk and have the, the tandem there going into it for the uh, expansion season. I'm excited to see what they do. You know, I I like the move. I like new teams. I like the the logo. I like everything. The color scheme. I'm excited to see what Seattle can do. Well, here's the thing, right, Tim? We all know that there's going to be some players. I don't know if slip through the cracks is the right way to describe it. But there's going to be players that go there and end up being big-time players. I, I, the same thing with Vegas, right? Guys like Jonathan Marcheseau, right? Guys like Riley Smith. They were solid players, right? And they had they had a couple of decent years with their former teams, but they were able to come to Vegas and they were able to they're kind of flex their muscles, right? They're able to shine, and now they're now they're looked at in in a, a different light in the NHL. They looked at as goal scorers, looked at as guys who were able to elevate their game and get better. And so you would expect that that the same thing's going to happen in Seattle, right? There's gonna they're gonna get the guys you, you brought up, Sarasota, you brought up Sarasota, other guys. There's going to they're going to get pieces from other teams, you know, because it's an expansion draft and they're adding players that have some value, right? They're going to get guys that are going to be successful. Now the big question for me is, are they going to be successful as Vegas? What, what Vegas was able to do, and, I, and to your to what you said and to what I've said. No, I just don't see – I think it was a perfect storm of – you had a coach that was hungry, obviously, and Gerard Gallant looking to – with a chip on his shoulder, looking to prove himself. 
and you had the right combination of guys from James Neal to Smith to Marshall So to, to William Carlson to all these guys who, you know, you know, had talent and just you, for whatever reason did did show it, you know, in certain spots. And then others who hadn't emerged yet as NHL players combined with the likes of, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury and some other pieces that were established guys who were already good anyway. So I, I, I think it was, again, lightning in a bottle when you're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, no pun intended, the Tampa Bay. But the point being is that I don't think that's something that's going to repeat itself. Could it? I guess. But I think the po- strong possibility is it shouldn't. Here's something I want to bounce off you, Tim. Do you think it's fair? And do you think it's the right thing that Vegas doesn't have to to participate in any of this? Look, I get it. It's only it's a team that's only been four years in existence. But do you think it's the do you think it's cool that Vegas shouldn't have to participate regarding leaving players unprotected? You know, so that the Seattle Kraken could actually get maybe pieces of the Vegas Golden Knights roster that could improve their franchise coming out of the gate. It's a good question, and I'll go. I'll go both both sides of it for you here. Do I think it's fair? No, but I, I guess the agreement was when when the the whole deal was done that any future, because they had already been talking about the window of adding another team. That the agreement was that Vegas wouldn't have to expose players because they were quote unquote right, Chris, an ex- expansion franchise. Exactly. Batman nor anybody in the NHL expected what has happened to happen. So I get it. That's the way it was written into the rules, so it is what it is. But it's almost, to me, a detriment that they don't, right, Chris? They're already up against the cap as it is. Vegas already has to decide on, is Flurry worth bringing back and, and tying up between him and Leonard $12 million in, in uh, salary cap money to two goaltenders? And I'm just saying, Flurry, hell, who knows what this team might do? They might throw Leonard back out on the block, which I don't think they'll do because they brought him there to be the future, but... You know that that's a big decision too. Here it is. They could have, not to mention they need. You know they need to keep adding pieces because the scoring went south in the playoffs. So it's a detriment to Vegas not to have to put somebody out there and 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 uh, alleviate some of that cap room, don't you say? I think that's a tremendous point. And yes, I th- absolutely think it is. Now, look, we understand that you know Kelly McCrimmon and the powers of B over with Vegas are going to make decisions based on what they think. You know, are building this team you know, to continue to build on the success that they've had and, and, you know, and eventually, you know, get yourself to a level where you're a Stanley cup champion. So they they could, you know, be movers and shakers regardless. And they may, they may make moves. They're going to make moves anyway. They've already started making moves. You saw, obviously, uh, you know, Cody glass, the first ever draft pick that they had is no longer with the team. Now he's now a, a national predator. And you bring in a guy who is a highly touted prospect, Obviously, in Nolan Patrick, who was the number two pick overall, I believe, back in the 2017 draft. So, you're, you know, they're already making moves to change things around on this team. And of course, as you pointed out, in the NHL, you got to make the money work, right? You got to be able to uh, circumvent the salary cap. You got to, you know, you got to make sure that uh, you know you're 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 making your team better at the same time having to deal with the financial restraints that that are presented to you as an NHL franchise. And so I, uh, I, I, I think it's absolutely some, you could absolutely look at it. Like you're saying, Tim, as, as Vegas being between a rock and a hard place, given that they aren't a part of this expansion draft where they would basically leave guys unprotected. Right. I mean, I'm just throwing a name out there, Mark Andre Fleury, right. Just leave someone unprotected. 
and it would make the decision easier, right? From a from a franchise standpoint, if you know the Seattle Kraken are making the decision for you and saying we're taking that player, or we're taking that, or we're taking that salary off your hands, we're taking, you know, we're we're going to uh, we're going to select that player, and and just and so it, it's basically you're taking the decision out of the hands of Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights. It's really a bass backwards situation for Vegas if you think about it and in the I only say that because you and I grew up in an expansion process where like you said teams are bad before they're good it's it's almost a a hazing right it's it's a cutting your teeth it's it's a it's just the way things work you have to earn your stripes to become one of us whereas Vegas jumps in the pool they get this this draft set up for them a certain way and I, I don't want to hear the people out there saying oh well none of those guys are really there the, the core of those guys are there let's put it that way so in that in that process and, I, and I'll use the example here you, you had talked about the movement of uh, Cody Glass the other day that first draft right Chris but now we've seen their top three picks all gone when you look at Eric Branstrom for the stone trade you looked at Nick Suzuki right the Montreal trade for Pacioretty, and now Glass, who ends up in, uh, where does he end up in New York with, with his old coach in Gallant for, for, for Patrick. And, and I like, I, I, you know, I get it. You want to win now. But the expansion process is that those three guys should be wearing the, the Vegas Golden Knights sweater and earning their stripes as well, which they're doing in their respective cities now. And you've really seen Suzuki find a home in Montreal. I'm, I'm so happy for him because that was a guy I really didn't want to lose when you're looking at being a fan of the Golden Knights. And you know what? I didn't want to lose Branch from either. I hope he can figure it out in Ottawa. And Glass, too, another favorite of mine that, you know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't always work, right, Chris? But by all means, those three guys should still be Vegas Golden Knights under the expansion process. But, Tim, you can see the justification coming a mile away, can't you? You oh, understand yeah. that the Vegas Golden Knights faithful here, okay? And some of the media here, by the way, would probably say to you, well, you know what? Eric Branstrom, a, a highly touted prospect, Still has a possibility. The jury's still out regarding Eric as far as his NHL future. But he made the deal because you wanted to get who? Mark Stone out of Ottawa, obviously, right? So they got Mark Stone, who is now the captain of the team. Of course, we all saw what Nick Suzuki could become and, is, in my opinion, is about to become one of the better players in the NHL. And he's going to do it in a Canadian's uniform, okay, as opposed to a Golden Knights uniform. But what will Vegas Golden Knights fans say, Tim? Oh, they'll say, well... We got Max Pacioretty in that deal, okay? So we got – it's not like we just gave him away or he just – we gave up on him, for example, right? And the same thing is going to be said here or is being said right now regarding Cody Glass because, you know, some of the sentiment out there is that, well, Kelly McCrimmon and the Knights, they just gave up on Cody Glass, gave up on him, right? They drafted at number four overall, and they just don't think that he's ever going to be viable here in Vegas. Now, what they'll say is, no – they brought in Nolan Patrick because they still think that a change of scenery, right? That's been that's the phrase that's been used here in the last 48 to 72 hours regarding this deal is that, well, these, both these players, they're young, a change of scenery. And that very might well be so. A change, change of scenery might benefit both of these guys. And you might see Nolan Patrick emerge into a big-time player in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. And you might see. You know, with Cody Glass going to New York and now having Gerard Gallant, you know, as the coach there, uh, you know, the guy with the coach who drafted him. I mean, I get, he was the coach here at the time. Uh, you know, draft who drafted Cody Glass. Maybe he does emerge and and 
and finds his uh, and, and is able to flex his muscles there in New York with the Rangers. But the, but you you under but to, to round it all about, you know what I'm saying. People are going to justify. They're already justifying it regarding the reason why these top tier prospects that they had. And yes, in a perfect world, you would like to think, hey, back when you and I and and Frank Carnish and all of us were going to that 2017 developmental camp up at the Las Vegas Ice Center, right in the uh, in the shadow of Brooksy's Bar, right there on those two ice rinks. And you saw Eric Brandstrom and you saw Alex Tuck and you saw uh, yeah, Cody Glass and you saw, you know, Nick Suzuki. And these, these, they're all kids. They're all, you know, 17, 18 year old kids at the time. And uh, and you saw Nick Hague and you saw, you know, all these guys who, you know, were just starting their NHL careers. And you thought to yourself, well, you know what, how cool will it be if these guys are all, you know, top tier NHL players and they're playing excuse me, and they're wearing Vegas Golden Knight sweaters in 2020-21, and they're contributing. That'd all be great. Obviously, that's not been the scenario. That's not what's happened because they've looked to other directions. They've gone other ways, and it hasn't worked out that way, Tim. Yep, and they did it to win, and the window, I feel, is closing <laughs> On Vegas with those, they've, they've capped themselves up against the wall. So Vegas has got to get it done in the next couple of years. Now, looking at the divisional alignment next year, Chris, in the Pacific Division, you know, Vegas, absolute favorite to win the division again. When you have Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, the Kings, the Sharks, the Canucks, and the Seattle Kraken, they are right there with Edmonton, the favorites to win that division. So it's not like, you know, Vegas postseason failures are going to keep them out of the playoffs. They're going to be back there again next year, Chris, but I'm saying that window is closing rapidly. Well, it's not wide open, right? It's not wide open whatsoever. So you have a situation now where obviously we're post-COVID regarding the NHL scheduling, so you're going back to regular divisions, going back to the 80-game season, you're going back to playing Canadian teams, right? They didn't play the Oilers all last season. And so that's going to be intriguing to watch that whole dynamic with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Oilers in the same division. And, and look, I, I don't look at a team like the, the Kings or the Vancouver Canucks as being too threatening. Obviously, I think Vegas benefits having an expansion team in Seattle playing in their division. And there's no question that they're going to be the standard bearer in that division, Tim. When you look at what they were able to do last this year, yes, it was a COVID season. And you had different dynamics regarding this, the divisions and regarding the playoffs and all that. But they still were on the doorstep of the Stanley Cup Finals, and they still were at the, like they've been every season that they've been playing. They've been a, you know, a, a quality hockey club that's been over 500 and that's been in the mix when it comes to playoff time. And I expect nothing different next year. The sky is not falling, okay, Vegas fans out there. If you think that, you know, the, what Tim and I are saying, the window is closing – doesn't mean it's closed, right, Tim? It's still open for a little bit, at least I think till next season, possibly the season afterwards. Then all bets are off after that, Tim. But as of you know, the next couple of seasons, they absolutely should be in the mix because I don't have any illusions that I think Tampa Bay is just far and away the best team in hockey. Okay, and I I, I don't think that they can't be beaten, and I don't think that this is some dynasty that's just beginning down in Central you know, West Florida, 
when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And there's some other good teams in the in the East. And the same kind of situation presents itself for a team like the Canadians because the Canadians obviously going back to the, I think it's the Atlantic Division where they're playing the likes of Buffalo, Detroit, and and uh, Boston and some of the other teams. So it's it's going to change for them too. So I don't know if a team like Montreal gets back there, but I will say this. It's going to be exciting, to say the least, to see things kind of back to normal from a scheduling standpoint and to see how this team responds and how Pete DeBoer – I'm going to be interested in Pete DeBoer's approach, Tim, because while he's not somebody who I think is as being on the hot seat, it's not looked at like he is some – you know, I can do no wrong type of coach. Okay. He's again, it's, it's almost, he's had chances. He's been, you know, either at the, at the pinnacle or close to the pinnacle and hasn't been able to actually cap it off with the Stanley cup championship. Right. He hasn't been able to raise the Stanley cup yet. He's had some good teams. He's had some average teams that he's coached up to be decent teams. I'm going to be extremely intrigued him to say the least to see how he handles the situation of the season coming up where things start to get back to normal. And they are expected to be one of the best teams in the West. And they will be one of the best teams in the West. But can he get them over the top? Can he get them to a Stanley Cup? If he can, I think that that says a lot about Pete DeBoer's legacy. And I think it's it's going to, obviously, uh, people here in Vegas will be ecstatic because that means Vegas will have you know, actually have a championship team. But uh, look, there's, yes, the window is not wide, is not wide open for the net, you know, but it's still open and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see exactly what Vegas does here in the short term to, uh, to either, you know, get over the top or, uh, or just continue to be one of those teams that is always right there on the doorstep. NHL expansion draft Wednesday. Seattle will build their roster through the 30-team NHL. Of course, Vegas does not have to expose any players for this draft. And one more. Let's go degree of separation here, Chris. As talk one more little thing here, and then I want to close on on some uh, some summer things. This thing called the Summer Olympics. But how is this for separation? Degrees of separation. Here we go. The Pittsburgh Penguins left Marc-Andre Fleury exposed in 2017 because Matt Murray was the goalie of the future, right, Chris? You yeah, said his name yeah. out. You said his name at the beginning of this segment. Ottawa leaves Matt Murray exposed. Now, wouldn't that be something if Seattle claimed Matt Murray, the guy that was supposed to be the replacement for Marc-Andre Fleury, who Vegas drafted and, of course, has been the stalwart there in the pipes, in its existence here in Las Vegas. I, I just thought that would be very interesting if that happened. That's pretty, that's pretty wild footnote there, Tim. I got to tell you, that is not something that, that, uh, that was kind of unexpected. He, he threw yeah. a little curveball to me there. That's, uh, interesting to say the least. So, and it, it could absolutely happen, right, Tim? I mean, it could absolutely yeah. happen. You could absolutely see that guy in a Seattle Kraken, you know, what are the colors? Deep blue sea and ice blue and boundless <laughs> blue and shadow blue and, and red alert are the are the colors <laughs> for the Seattle Kraken. I can absolutely see yep. Murray in that uniform starting at Climate Pledge Arena at Seattle <laughs> Center coming up this fall. That's great. That's great. So so check this out. 
there's things I like in the the summer months, and I'm gonna stretch it a little bit here. But College World Series always a thing for me. Um, Little League World Series always a thing for me. AVP volleyball, you know that, Chris, it's a thing for me. But yes. every four years, we get a summer games. We get the Olympic summer games, and that's happening here starting on the 23rd for two weeks in Tokyo. The Olympics come to town. It's almost like the World Cup. You could throw that in the mix, too. Every four years, we get to watch soccer. Well, now we get countries battling it out for supremacy, and, and uh, you know we're all excited for what the USA can do. On the basketball side of it, we've we've seen them kind of right their wrongs after losing the first two games. They 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 dominate Argentina and Spain the last ones as they head to Tokyo tomorrow. What what do you look forward to in the the uh, summer games, Chris? You know, obviously beach volleyball is a thing for me. I'm I'm excited about that. I'm gonna do a little basketball uh, here and there. Uh, you know, it just depends. I like gymnastics as well. What what does Chris Wynn like to watch when it comes Olympic time? I got to tell you, when it comes to the Summer Olympics, obviously since 1992, basketball has been on the forefront, right? And we love to see it because you got our best players playing in a worldwide tournament like that where you get to, you get to be on display and, you get, and America gets to show just how great we are in that sport. Sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes there's disappointments, but, but you understand my point. But I have to tell you, Tim, the sports I like to watch are the track and field events because that's when they are on center stage. That is when you fuck. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn about track and field other than the Olympics, right? We don't even th- and, and we grew up, you and I, we grew up in an era of Carl Lewis and Edwin Moses and Jackie Joyner Kersey and just huge names, right? Where that was their bread and butter. Bruce Jenner. That was that was the, that was when we actually heard those names. That's when you were able to see them put their talents on display. Was at the Olympic Games, and so to me, it's about that. Now, look, I get it. You've got tennis, tennis. You know, there's a season for tennis every year. You know, you've got uh, you've got golf, you've got basketball, you've got all these other sports. Uh, soccer, like you pointed out, where they have either seasons or you're fans of teams or whatever. Not the situation with track and field. Track and field, those Usain Bolt, that's when the Olympics is what you care about. Yeah, they have world championships and they have these other events that go on. But to be quite honest with you, it's all about the Olympic Games when it comes to track and field. So for me, I enjoy it every four years, getting a chance to see those people who've dedicated their lives to their given sport, whether it's, you know, whether it's hurdles, whether it's sprints, whether it's a longer distance races, whatever, whether it's the high jump, whether it's the javelin, whether it's those, you know, shot put, whatever. I get into the track and field stuff when it comes to Olympic time, as well as the basketball for obvious reasons, basketball, because of the intrigue surrounding it regarding our team, both the women's and men's side, how dominant we can be. And it's great to see all the great players that we, we can send. And Tim, let's be honest, even when we're sending our not so dream team, dream team, it's still a bunch of great players, right? We're talking about guys who are NBA all-stars, guys who, you know, are top tier players in the best league in the world. So, yeah, I get it. Some years we might not send the Kawhi Leonard's or the LeBron James's, but we're still sending a damn good team. And they st- we still expect them to win a gold medal every year. So that's, to me, that's what I love about the Olympics is getting a chance to see the track and field stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it dominates a large portion of it. There's no doubt about it. And 
But, you know, in closing, what about the gymnastics, man? You got to love the gymnastics, man. That's Those are athletes there. That There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I didn't mean to leave the gymnastics out. I actually did. I actually worked the floor, Tim, for the U.S. Olympic Trials back in 1996, when uh, the Olympic Trials were in Boston. I was an intern for the TV station there, and they needed somebody to grip and walk around with cables and stuff for the camera people for NBC Sports to do the Olympic Trials. So I was on the floor walking around with a camera, Tim. With that, of course, that spectacular women's gymnastics team, of course, that won the gold medal, the Mag- uh, Magnificent Seven, back mm-hmm. in 1996. Obviously, Carrie Strug had the huge moment where her ankle was just tore up, and she was still able to land that vault. That team, all those at the time, they were all girls. Now they're all you know grown women in their 40s. But that was just uh, super cool to kind of see that. So that's a little personal side note regarding gymnastics. Yes, I mean, gymnastics is obviously uh, one of the other major sports, too, where you don't have any focus whatsoever other than the Olympic Games year-round. I expect, yes, they do have their exhibitions that they go on, and they do their, their, you know, there are opportunities for them to win world championships and things like that. But if we're being honest about it or being straight up about it, right, Tim, we don't, we only focus on gymnastics when it comes to the Olympics, and that that's another sport also that, that gets the right amount of attention it should during the Olympic Games. Correct. Correct. Well, Chris, always great to hear the stories, man. We we, we both have lived uh, interesting sports lives, and it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And I know that we're going to have you back for the NFL previews coming up here in a short time. So let everybody know where they can find you on that social media, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely, Tim. Always great to join you, Damon. And Tommy, when I can, on Heatwave Sports. You can find me at Christian Win on Twitter. You can also find me at Christian W. Win on Facebook. Always jumping around on there as well, too. And also on Instagram at CWin77. Talking all things sports, sometimes throwing some political opinions and sometimes my pop culture opinions because, uh, as Tim knows, and uh, I'm not afraid of, uh, you know, exposing my love for 90s music i.e my guys from nsync and you know my <laughs> some of my uh, boy band love as well too so that's always out there and always fun love you brother man i appreciate the time that's chris win for demon cotton i'm tim unglesby have a great sports week we'll talk again saturday night 10 o'clock right here on fox sports radio las vegas 98.9 fm 1340 a.m good night